Hi everyone, welcome back to Ock Thoughts. My name is Akshad and today I am here with Austin. So following social distancing policies, we aren't recording in the same room, but we are speaking over the phone. So we spoke about this in our last episode, but times are clearly still crazy. There's a lot that we don't know about the future, and almost all parts of our lives remain uncertain, confusing, and scary. In, in an attempt to change the mood and lighten up during quarantine, we decided that it would be nice to talk about all of the good things happening in the world that haven't made the mainstream news cycle. How are you doing, Austin? I'm doing pretty well, Akshat. I, this is the first time I'm actually speaking in a, an Awk Thoughts podcast, so this is pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. Austin's um, our fantastic behind behind the scenes guy, so it's it's great to have you on. Yeah, you know that that beautiful website awkthoughts.net, that uh, you all visit. That's uh, that's thanks to this guy. Yep, one hundred percent, Austin. He's um, he does all of our editing, runs the website. Um, he's like he deals with this whole recording piece and helps us and basically creates all of the technical possibilities that make this a podcast. So, okay. So let's, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's just get started by talking about some of the good things um, happening in our world right now. So one uh, really cool event that I recently heard about um, through my own research was that work has has begun on some graphene-based sieve that'll produce drinking water from seawater. So, okay, I mean, this sounds sort of complicated, but basically what it means is that as humans, we've made tremendous progress in making sure that we can convert salt water from our oceans to clean drinking water. Um, So, like, this is a big deal because... Water might be one of our scarcest resources in the future. And this has the potential to help millions of people who don't have access to clean drinking water. And it helps make sure that we have a resource into the future. So what makes uh, water a scarce resource? Is it just the fact that um, most of it we get from underground wells and those wells just dry up? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, basically my understanding of it is I mean, the world is mostly covered with water, but we can't access the vast majority of it um, because most of it's in the oceans and that's salty. So it doesn't hydrate people. It actually dehydrates them. So we've been trying to figure out how to um, how to like convert salt water into drinking water. And actually, so I was doing research on this and. One way that we thought of doing it was taking graphene and pushing water through it. Um, so sort of like a filter? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, basically an impermeable filter as is, is I understood it. But, like, there were a couple of problems with this. Um, one of them was that, like, the filter, basically you have some holes in between it so that um, water could pass through but salt couldn't. However, for that to happen the holes had to be less than one nanometer. So that's really, really small. Um, And it just was extremely difficult to produce that. And also graphene, I guess, wasn't commercially easily um, something to create. Um, But now, apparently, researchers have demonstrated that placing walls made of some, some substance used in coatings and glues, it's called epoxy risin, um, on the sides of the graphene membrane was sufficient to stop 
um, stop that problem. So we actually mm. might be, I, I don't fully understand it, but it's, it's really cool that we might be able to produce drinking water from seawater. And it's something that hasn't hit the news cycle. We've constantly been bombarded with, with all of these other news. So, <laughs> what, like coronavirus and the elections? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, honestly, I haven't even heard much of the elections. It's just been all coronavirus. But, I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something cool happening. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so number two on our list is, uh, is the idea that sustainable nuclear fusion might be coming soon. Um, so for those of you unfamiliar with it, we have to produce energy and, and one way that we've traditionally done it is fossil fuels. Um, so this has prompted a lot of environmental concerns, stating that it releases a lot of carbon dioxide and other harmful gases into the atmosphere, uh, which contribute to global warming. So that's not the ideal path with, um, with fossil fuels. We've also been experimenting with solar and wind energy, which are environmentally friendly, but the problem is they haven't been able to produce enough energy at a reasonable cost um, for us. So we're looking at this other form of energy, nuclear. Um, and so the problem with nuclear energy is, is that it's difficult to create a machine that can withstand the chemical reaction involved with nuclear energy. Um, so, like, if you guys have heard of Chernobyl or uh, Three Mile Island, those were caused, the accidents there were caused due to nuclear, react, uh, nuclear failures. So, like, we learned all about this in Apes, um, Austin, but... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess um, our viewers might be wondering, or sorry, our listeners might be wondering, so there have been, um, like, for example, you mentioned Chernobyl. So we do generate nuclear energy. How is this new nuclear fusion different from what we currently do? So apparently um, in t towards the end of 2015, um, a giant nuclear fusion reactor was switched on in Germany. And this has been successfully able to create sort of a fiery blob of hydrogen plasma. And then recently, China and South Korea have also gotten similar results from their fusion machines. Um, so that shows some level of optimism that nuclear fusion um, may be the path forward towards sustainable energy. But also, um, a new groundbreaking type of reactor has been activated in the United Kingdom. Um, so this reactor is able to sustainably generate plasma within its core. So I'm not like 100% familiar with all of this, but, um, but these developments have been so encouraging that uh, MIT scientists actually have predicted that fusion energy will be on the grid by the year 2030. So in just 10 years, we'll be able to, to use sustainable nuclear fusion. Oh, wow. And do you think um, once we get nuclear fusion, it'll just pretty much uh, make every other kind of uh, energy generation or like electricity generation obsolete? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very good question. I think, I think we'll start shifting towards nuclear fusion 
Um, it won't happen immediately, so I think as the years go on, we'll start moving on from currently we use a lot of fossil fuels to shifting towards nuclear fusion. Um, but and oh yeah, go ahead, sorry. Um, and there are a lot of uh, energy companies, like for example, um, Excel that rely on um, fossil fuels or they rely on uh, like renewable sources like wind, solar. Um, so what, what are those uh, companies doing to get a foot in the nuclear fusion industry or the nuclear fusion technology, I guess? Um, I mean, as far as I understand it, um, so you talked about Excel Energy um, as an example. So as I understand it, yes, they have a lot of resources with solar, wind, and fossil fuels as uh, energy, but they also are investing heavily in nuclear energy, where a lot of their grids are powered um, through, through nuclear energy. So for instance, let's just take Excel. Um, according to their website, like nuclear plants are designed to run more than 90% of the time. So they're reliable. Um, and then Excel also prides itself on keeping its nuclear energy safe. So they have a lot of defense and security systems in place to protect the public from their, uh, from the potential downsides of a chemical reaction failing. Um, and then they also advertise the fact that it produces no carbon dioxide emissions, which is one of the biggest advantages. And as I understand that they're actually pretty heavily involved in this new form of energy. So they're adapting to this changing ecosystem. Um, apparently their nuclear plants add a billion dollars to the Minnesota economy each year. So that, Oh, wow. Um, so they clearly said, I mean, it's, I'm guessing they have tens of billions of dollars invested in nuclear energy. So they seem well positioned to take advantage of this new development. Oh, okay. Okay, let's, um, let's talk about number three. So this, uh, this is about public health in some way, um, which relates to what a lot of us are going through right now. Another... You're not going to talk about coronavirus, are you? No, I'm talking about a disease that will soon be eradicated from our planet. Oh, wow. Um, so, as humans, we have successfully eradicated one disease in our history. Um, that was smallpox. So now we're on the verge of wiping out another disease. This is called the Guinea worm parasite. Uh, have you ever heard of this, Austin? No. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's pretty prevalent in... I mean, okay, I shouldn't say prevalent because it's not as much now, but the places where it still originates are four African countries um, where we have 126 cases of them. Now, this wasn't always the case. There used to be three and a half million cases across Africa and Asia. And the thing about this disease is that it's extremely vicious. It's basically one that's caused by when people drink water that's contaminated with the larva of the guinea worm. And as a result of this, um, it causes 
it causes infections on the skin of people and which leads them to die. So a story I was reading about and what has helped us to get to the point where we're almost eradicating it is President Carter, he visited Africa during one trip and he went to a village where he saw a woman with a kid in her hands. Later, he was found out, later he found out that the woman didn't actually have a kid. That was the disease caused on her body from the guinea worm parasite. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's absolutely horrific as a disease. But that, but seeing that led him to create a foundation after he was president that really helped push the efforts towards ending this disease. And we're actually really close to, to being on the point where no human being in the world will have this. So that's really oh. cool. So you mentioned that, um, that people can get this from drinking water um, that's contaminated with the larvae of, of this worm. So if, if we were to um, get rid of all the human cases of, um, of this disease, then would it still be possible for someone to get it again just by drinking contaminated water? Um, okay, so that, that is actually quite a good question. Um... Or is the, is the parasite, like, where, where do you know where it originates, or...? So apparently, um, so one of the challenges is, and what, uh, one of the ways that the Carter Foundation and other organizations have tried to end this is by filtering clean water um, across Africa and across the world so people don't get exposed to it. Oh. Um, but a challenge recently has actually been these infections in animals, so mainly dogs in the African country of Chad. So these typically originate with dogs eating fish who have been exposed to the larva. Um, but as far as I understand it, the way that we're trying to eradicate it is by providing more access to clean drinking water and ending the cases that already exist. But, oh. but it is a good question that you ask. Can we... Um... So is, it, is, the, um, is this uh, guinea worm parasite, is that contagious? Like if you get it, um, can you pass it on to someone else or can you only get it by drinking contaminated water? It's believed... I mean, one thing that I do know is that it's, um, it can be shifted from animal-to-animal -animal interaction and human-to-animal -animal interaction. So basically, humans, by eating the guinea worm, um, will... So like humans, let's say they eat a fish, uh, they can receive the same parasite. But, oh, okay. um, I mean, it's not infectious in the sense of like it transmits through the air. Um, it has to be some sort of interaction between the two. So, I mean, it got it. Like, I would assume it's theoretically transferable between humans, but 
like being in the same room wouldn't transfer it over. Oh, okay. How interesting. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're clearly dealing with with a crisis, but it's good to know that something that was was a major problem in the world is now coming to an end. Yeah. Is this our second ever eradicated disease? Yeah. yeah. That'll be pretty cool. I mean, okay, one thing that sort of shocked me as I was researching it, I thought as humans we would have eradicated more, but I guess the task is a lot harder than I than I originally imagined. Yeah. Like especially um if any of our listeners play Plague Inc, uh you know that pretty much to lose you get eradicated. Um if if you're interested in in this game, Plague Inc is a uh game you can download on your mobile phone or tablet. And uh basically the purpose or the the goal of the game is to infect the world with some disease that you create, and it's a fun um, goal. and you you try to eradicate or exterminate the entire human race um, with your disease. But if the humans um, are able to contain your disease and eradicate it, then you lose. So there you go. Huh, okay, that's uh. Something you can do if you're bored and you're sitting at home wondering what to do in the midst of this uh, quarantine situation. Oh, okay. That's an interesting game. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, I've, I've been trying to figure out things to do during quarantine, and it's not easy. <laughs> okay, so speaking of, um, of health, public health, uh, that leads us to our fourth good thing that's happening in the world. Uh, we're actually, we've made a large step in developing a medication that can help cure autism syndromes. So that's, that's really cool. Um, about one in 160 kids are estimated to have autism worldwide. So now obviously the severity of the symptoms ranges widely, but that's still a significant number if you think about it, one out of 160. Um, and recently, there was this clinical trial in the United States that has a 100-year-old drug called Suramin, um, which, and this trial has measurably shown that the symptoms of autism can decrease based, uh, based on this drug. So, I mean, that's, that's some really good news, in my opinion. Um, I mean, a lot of people... Yeah. Like, a lot of people that I know, um, deal with autism and are a victim to it. And this could um, tremendously help them out if proven to, to work. So is this, um, just to clarify, this isn't like a cure for autism itself, but rather just to lower the, um, or lower the effects of the symptoms? I yes, guess. I believe so. Um, the so basically the study itself in this one was one where they had ten boys diagnosed with autism. So these were uh, they they were aged between five and fourteen years old. So now these boys were split up into two groups. You have five who acted as a placebo, so they were given no treatment and no drug at all. The other five was given a single dose of suramin. 
So all five of the boys who received the suramen um, showed improvement of their symptoms, while the placebo group showed nothing at all. So it's, it's a large step in showing that we can uh, tremendously improve the symptoms. Um, as far as curing it, I think we're a long ways away from that, but this is a really good first step. And my understanding was that um, autism is basically uh, sort of a condition that's determined at birth. So, I don't know, is it, do you believe, or do scientists believe it's possible to cure autism altogether? Or is that something that will never happen? I think part of the problem with, with developing a cure of autism is that it's difficult to create it's difficult to explain the precise genetic and environmental factors that cause autism. So as I understand it, it's partly genetic and then there's some environmental factors um, that can cause autism. So for instance, I, I think I remember cases of lead paint being uh, pregnant women breathing in lead paint from the atmosphere. Um, where that would have a detrimental impact on their unborn kids, uh, which would cause autism. So I remember cases of that. So for instance, there's some environmental factors there. There are also genetic predispositions. And I think part of the problem with creating a cure is that we aren't sure exactly what causes autism. So it's hard to, I guess, prevent it or come up with a precise cure. But... The reason the study is promising is that we haven't really been able to improve the symptoms of autism um, prior to this, and now we're on our first step towards doing that. Hmm. Well, very, very interesting. Yeah. So if any of our listeners um, either have autism or know someone with autism, then you can tell them about this and it'll be a pretty bright future for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a giant step forward, and, and the world's going to be a better place because of it. Do you need a poster for Stugo, NHS, or your lunchtime club? Do you need a logo to represent your new business? If so, you need VJ's graphic design services. VJ designed the logo for Awk Thoughts, and he would be happy to do the same for you. Email vj at salamandastudios.com. That's salamando with an A at the end, not an ER. vj at salamandastudios.com. So our fifth event, polio. Polio has dropped tremendously. Um, so polio, it still does exist. But in 1998... We or 1988, we had 350,000 cases. In 2017, we have had 22 cases. So we're almost, we're really, so like polio is dropping tremendously with 99% of the cases being decreased. So that's a really good sign on, um, on, the end of this disease, I guess. Oh, wow. So when you say 22 cases, is that 22 cases 
total in the world, or is that 22 new cases just in 2017? So it's just 22 reported cases um, across across the world, as far as I understand. Um, so this, hmm. so today, only three countries in the world have never stopped transmission of polio. So Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, and Nigeria. Uh, across the rest of the world, as I understand it, there are no cases of polio. Oh, wow. Um, but, so the problem with eradicating the disease entirely is that as long as a single child remains infected with it, children in all countries are at risk of contracting the disease. Um, it can spread quickly amongst populations. So that might lead you to ask, okay, I mean, 22 cases, that could spread, right? Like, why isn't that a problem? Um, we haven't developed a cure for polio, but what we have developed is a vaccine. Now, this vaccine, not only does it protect individuals, but there's this concept called herd immunity. The basic idea is that if enough of a population is has taken a vaccine and is immunized to this certain virus, then it can't spread as quickly. So like the way I think of this simplistically is imagine you have 10 people in a room. Two of them have the disease and four of them are immunized and four of them aren't. So the two people will, let's just say it's a deadly virus, so they'll die. But they have, to, so for the virus to survive, it has to be passed on to someone else. But let's say they're only in contact with the four immunized people. Then it can't spread. So that's part of the reason why polio has been, has been almost eradicated across the world. Uh, part of that herd immunity with people getting vaccines to it and it not being able to spread to those populations. Oh, okay, so by vaccinating the whole population, what we're effectively doing is making the human race evolve to be resistant against mm -hmm. this virus. Mm -hmm. I mean, or, or at least making it nearly impossible for it to spread. Oh, okay. Um, so there are still a couple more uh, good things happening around the world that I'd like to mention. Maybe not in as much depth, um, but I'd like to just give a shout out to some other things on our list. So number six, NASA has released all of its research to the public for free. So for all of you space lovers out there, that's really good news. Um, Australia, uh, number seven on our list, Australia has, is on track to become the first country to wipe out a type of cancer. So according to a new study, Australia will become the first country in the world to eliminate cervical cancer by the year 2028. Yeah, so a wow. lot of... A lot of good news in the medical department, even though we might not be hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight. So we've discovered a vitamin that could reduce the incidence of birth defects and miscarriages worldwide. So there's a lot more to this, um, and it's pretty complicated, and I don't completely understand it. But it's basically that women can avoid miscarriages and birth defects by simply taking a, white, a vitamin during pregnancy. So that's really cool. I don't understand it completely, but it's good to hear about that. Um, yeah. Overall, life expectancy has gone up by five and a five point five years. 
So we're at 72.4 years for females and 69.8 years for males as a life expectancy. And sorry, 5.5 years um, over how, how many years um, has that uh, gone so up since? Like when was so the last gone, metric? So the last metric was taken in... Basically, this metric is referring to the difference in data taken from the year 2000 and the year 2016. So, I mean, oh, okay. that, that's a significant amount. Uh, yeah. In 16 years, five years. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so we're, we are living longer, even though it might not seem like it right now. Uh, <laughs> and then this one, I think, will be of... Uh, of great interest to our environmentalists out there. Um, the Earth's ozone layer is repairing. So the ozone layer, um, it protects us from ultraviolet light. In the 1980s, we discovered that it was having holes. And this, the reason for that was man-made chemicals called CFCs. Um, these were, I believe, used in refrigeration and the 1960s, 1970s. So at its worst, 10% of the ozone layer depleted, which has helped contribute to global warming, as I understand it. Um, but there was a giant global agreement to ban the use of CFCs, and the ozone layer has begun to increase about 3% per decade. So this is really good news for environmentalists, and it also shows what... We as a world, if we agree to do something. Yeah, most definitely. And we've been able to see noticeable improvements, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is, um, this is truly incredible in my opinion, and I think it'll serve as good example for the future. Most definitely. Well, thank you, Austin. Um, those are top 10 good things happening in the world. Um, thank you to our listeners. We hope that you enjoyed hearing about those. Um, thank you for tuning in despite, despite the times, and we hope that you look forward to these episodes every Saturday. Um, thank you all for listening. Please don't forget to follow us at awkthoughts.podcast uh, on Instagram. Visit our website at awkthoughts.net. And, and continue tuning in. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.